Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... It's my first ever podcast takeover. Let's get into it. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 588. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. The Soaring Twenties high-flying picture book debuts feature some really outstanding books by kid-lit authors and illustrators debuting in 2020. Today we're going to hear a handful of new and debut picture book folks take on the question, what experiences or observations of the world compelled you to write your story? Longtime friend of the show, Darshna Kiani, and I were first talking about the idea of a podcast takeover back in July of 2019. Today, as we're all safe inside and adhering to quarantine guidelines, it seems the landscape has temporarily changed. However, Readers are still reading, writers are still writing, and books are finding their way into read-alouds and activities and Instagram posts and bedtimes. I've set up a special bookshop link to make it easy for you to browse any of the books featured throughout this week's episodes. When you shop there, your books are sourced from independent bookstores across the country. It also supports the children's book podcast, Double the Good with a Single Click. Check the show notes for that link. And now, let's turn to Darshna Kiani, Mary Wagley-Kopp, Lindsay Metcalf, Jen Malia, Angela Burke-Kunkel, Keith and Larissa Morantz, and Syra Mir for answers to the question, what experience or observation of the world compelled you to write this story? Hello. My name is Darshna Kiani, and I am the author of How to Wear a Sari, illustrated by Joanne Lou Vritov, coming out in spring 2021 by Versify. How to Wear a Sari is about a young girl who is tired of being treated like a little kid. She sets out to prove she can do grown-up things too. How will she do this, you ask? Why, by putting on a fancy sparkly sari. Unfortunately, it's a bit unwieldy, so things don't go quite as she expected. One of the things I strive to do in my South Asian cultural stories is to show that though we may look different, eat different foods, and wear different clothes, inside South Asian kids have the same hopes and dreams as other children. My inspiration for this story was twofold. My first source was rooted in my own difficulty in wearing a sari. I am in awe of my younger cousins. They have a talent for wearing saris. They make wearing a sari look so seamless and elegant, while my sari wearing skills 
are sloppier. Often, it will take me twice as long as them to get ready for a wedding, and still I'll need to get help from my mom or an aunt. The second source of inspiration were my girls. When they were young, they would love to go into the shoe closet and take out all my shoes and clomp around in them. Their favorites were my sparkly high-heeled sandals that I wore with my Indian outfits. Little kids often want to imitate older siblings or grown-ups, whether it be dressing up or helping around the house. I feel it's important to encourage children to try things and follow their curiosity, even if it doesn't always work out, and to also let them know that we've all had those moments of trying and failing. This is one of the key themes in How to Wear a Sari. I hope you've enjoyed this little backstory. Thank you, Matthew, for having the Soaring Twenties on your show. My name is Mary Wagley Kopp. My debut picture book is titled Wherever I Go and is coming out April 21st, 2020. The illustrator is Munir Mohammed. Of all her friends, Abia has been at the Shemelba refugee camp the longest, seven years, four months, and 16 days. Her papa says that's too long and they need a forever home. Until then though, Abia has something important to do. Be a queen. I have worked in the refugee resettlement community for many years. In 2008, I produced a documentary about the journey of refugees from a camp in northern Ethiopia to my hometown of Providence, Rhode Island. While in the camp, I spent a lot of time interacting with children, most of whom had been in the camp many years, if not their entire life. I was amazed at their curiosity, their playfulness, and their joy amidst so many daily challenges. Their rations were meager, their homes unfurnished, and their futures uncertain, yet their spirits indomitable. Wherever I Go is a fictional picture book that was inspired by those children. While the media has given much valuable attention to the movement of people fleeing desperate situations, and taking shelter in temporary camps. Not much attention is given to the generations of people who have spent much of their life warehoused in more permanent camps, with little hope of returning to their homeland or being resettled. My hope is not just that readers get a glimpse into the life of the main character, Abia, and how her courage sustains her, but also that resettled children everywhere might see some of themselves in this child's journey. Hi, my name is Lindsay H. Metcalf. I'm a newspaper and magazine journalist from Kansas with three nonfiction books coming this fall. One of my books is called Farmers Unite, Planting a Protest for Fair Prices. In 1979, farms were foreclosing by the thousands and farmers were just desperate for help. They drove their tractors to Washington, DC. They camped on the National Mall. 
and they demanded action from Congress. I grew up on a farm in the 1980s, but I'd never heard of the American agriculture movement. That is, until a few years ago when I saw an old tractor bearing the sign, Washington, D.C., or busted. I had to know more about these farmers who'd banded together in the name of economic justice. The book is illustrated with stunning archival photographs, and it'll be published by Calkins Creek for a middle-grade audience. I also wrote a picture book biography called Beatrix Potter, Scientist. I had no idea that Beatrix was passionate about a range of scientific fields, especially mycology, zoology, and scientific illustration. As a kid, she even dissected her pets after they died. Then, after traveling to the Scottish countryside, she became enchanted with fungi. She broke ground with spore germination and submitted a paper to the Linnaean Society, but she couldn't attend the meeting because she was a woman. So she pivoted, and she made children's books. I love that she indulged curiosity. She stared down setbacks. She reinvented herself. All of that resonated with the girl in me who was told no, who grew up on a farm believing that her dreams might be just out of reach. Beatrix's ability to reinvent herself resonates with adult me, a journalist by training, a children's author by grit, and a forever fan of the natural world. I'm so thrilled that Jun Yi Wu is illustrating this book from Albert Whitman and Company. Book three is a nonfiction poetry anthology and my editorial debut. It's called No Voice Too Small, 14 Young Americans Making History. My fellow co-editors are Keila V. Dawson and Jeanette Bradley, who is illustrating. After Parkland, we began talking about the need for a collected biography about young people making change today. We were so inspired by youth like Mari Kopany, a.k.a. Little Miss Flint, Marley Dias of 1000 Black Girl Books fame, Zach Walls, founder of Scouts for Equality, and Jacelyn Charger, a water protector with Standing Rock. It was important to us that Own Voices creators convey these stories. And to our amazement, some brilliant poets said yes. Charles Bridge is publishing this beautiful book, and I cannot wait to get it into the hands of children. I'm Jen Malia, Associate Professor of English at Norfolk State University. I'm an autistic writer who has written essays for publications such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, New York Magazine, Glamour, and Woman's Day. My debut children's picture book, Too Sticky, Sensory Issues with Autism, was illustrated by Joanne Lou Freithoff. Too Sticky was published by Albert Whitman on April 1st, 2020 the first day of Autism Awareness Month. It's the story of an autistic girl named Holly who has a fear of sticky hands. She gets anxious when she remembers it's slime day at school. Holly has to find a way to cope with her sensory issues to participate in her second grade slime experiment. Too Sticky is based on my own and my daughter's experiences living with autism and sensory issues. I wrote this book because I wanted my autistic kids to be able to see themselves in a picture book. I even named some of the characters after them. I wanted to tell the story of an autistic girl rather than an autistic boy 
to create awareness and acceptance of autism, especially for girls. The stories of autistic boys are much more common in kidlit, which isn't surprising because autism is often thought of as a male condition. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, for every four boys diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, only one girl is diagnosed. Many autistic females, including me and my daughter, are either misdiagnosed or overlooked for a diagnosis. My daughter and I were diagnosed on the same day. She was two and I was 39. Too Sticky is not so much a story about autism, but a story about a girl who just happens to have challenges because she's autistic. In the book, Holly goes about her everyday life like other seven-year-old girls. She eats breakfast with her family. She talks to her classmates. She loves science experiments. But Holly experiences the world differently. With Too Sticky, I tried to create a character for autistic kids that reflects their own life experiences. I also hope that others who read my book will learn to relate to autistic kids with greater understanding. My name is Angela Burke Kunkel, and I'm the author of Digging for Words, Jose Alberto Gutierrez and the Library He Built, illustrated by Paolo Escobar and being published by Schwartz and Wade on September 8, 2020. Digging for Words is based on the true story of Jose Alberto Gutierrez, a Colombian garbage collector who built a library for the children of his neighborhood entirely from books found in the trash. It started as a small project, but it's expanded into a foundation called La Fuerza de las Palabras, The Strength of Words. And Jose has provided reading material to more than 200 schools, organizations, and libraries across Colombia. I first learned about Jose through a video on Facebook in February 2017, and I just really latched on to his story. I loved his warmth and demeanor, and I loved the enthusiasm of the kids in the video. And I was inspired to write a picture book about his work because of my own observations as an educator. I'm a school librarian, and I really identified with Jose's mission. And at the time I started writing the book, I was in my 10th year working at a middle school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which was 100% free and reduced lunch. And New Mexico in general has very high rates of child poverty and adult literacy. And a large part of my job was promoting literacy and a love of books, of course. And I also did a lot of community outreach. Many families I worked with either came from places in Mexico where public libraries aren't common, um, and many of them feared using official public services like libraries because of uh, the family's undocumented status. I think in short, um, it was an overlap and I just connected with and I really admired the simplicity and the beauty of Jose's project and his story. Um, find books, get them in the hands of children who need them and who love them. That's it.
Hello, I'm Keith Morantz, author of Clyde the Hippo. Hello, I'm Larissa Morantz, illustrator of Clyde the Hippo. The Clyde the Hippo series is about an anxious and lovable young hippo experiencing things for the first time. Our four-book series will be released in 2020 on Penguin Workshop. The first two books, Clyde Goes to School and Clyde Likes to Slide, will be released on April 14, 2020. Clyde Lied will be released in June 2020. And the final book, Clyde Likes to Ride, will be out in September of 2020. Clyde was born from an experience with our youngest daughter, Sasha, who would repeatedly ask us why we didn't have a dog. I told her it was because we already had a hippo in the backyard. When she asked us why she couldn't see it, I told her it was because the hippo was hiding. The silly image of a hippo trying to hide sparked the idea for a picture book. We thought it would be cute to have a little hippo running around and playing. From there, we developed his character to be a bit anxious and worrisome. And as we wrote these stories about a child's first milestones, we are showing these experiences from the point of view of a character who tends to worry a lot. In Clyde Goes to School, Clyde worries about his first day of preschool. In Clyde Likes to Slide, Clyde worries about going down the big kid slide at the playground. In Clyde Lied, Clyde has to navigate the effects of telling a little white lie to his friends at school. And in Clyde Likes to Ride, Clyde does not want to give up his tricycle for a big kid bike. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to look out for Clyde the Hippo in a bookstore near you. My name is Syra Mir, and I'm the author of Muslim Girls Rise, Inspirational Champions of Our Time. This book was published by Salam Reads, an imprint of Simon & Schuster, and illustrated by the talented Alia Jaleel. Muslim Girls Rise was released in October 2019. My book celebrates the achievements of 19 current-day Muslim women. These women include Olympic athletes, daring activists, passionate visionaries, award-winning mathematicians, groundbreaking artists, dedicated teachers, and more. Their lives are modern, but their stories are timeless. The experience that compelled me to write this book was my daughter's love of a special story time. She was entering kindergarten in an exceptionally tumultuous time for American Muslims. Until then, I had shielded her from Islamophobic comments in the media, but I worried about her outside of the protection of my wing. I decided that instead of worrying, I would focus on building her pride and resilience. I began by sharing stories of my own role models. Growing up, there weren't many Muslim females in the public eye. My lack of relatable role models carried into my adulthood so that when Muslim women made the news, I took immediate notice and follow their stories. Their achievements inspired me as an adult, but I had no idea how much they'd equally impact my five-year-old daughter. My daughter loved our story time. She saw herself in activist Malala Yousafzai and NASA engineer Hiba Rahmani. She latched onto these stories in a way that I'd also needed growing up. It was so moving to see her connect that these women were a mirror for her in a world of windows. Her reaction compelled me to write this book. This collection of biographies inspire me, my children, and anyone eager to learn more about extraordinary women. The 
Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.